what I tell kids even in my truancy court when I talk to them now. Just because you don't know and you're going to graduate high school and you still don't know what you want to be uh, or what you want to do, keep going to school, keep doing your education. That's where it opens doors. Had I not done that, then I wouldn't have known that, that that's actually where I needed to be was being a policeman. Welcome to Creating Community, a podcast designed to bring area leaders, business owners, and others together to better our community. I'm your co-host, Jake Starkey. And I'm your other co-host, Dorian Strickland. We're the owners of 1820 Coffee House and 1820 Marketing in the heart of Alvin, Texas. Today, we're recording from the Brazoria County Precinct 3 sub-office in Pearland. If you're a first-time listener, we encourage you to subscribe to hear more. Creating Community with Dorian and Jake is available wherever you get your podcasts, We'd love for you to subscribe to stay up to date with us and with the community. In this episode, we're sitting down with Judge Roy Castillo. Roy serves Brazoria County as Justice of the Peace, Precinct 3, Place 2. Welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you for having me, Jake. Dorian, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, we're happy to have you for sure. So my first question is, are we saying it incorrectly? Should we be calling you Justice of the Peace, Roy Castillo, or is Judge correct? Uh, I'll answer to either one. Either one. Usually people shorten it up and say judge, and then... uh, They'll ask me, uh, what kind of judge are you? There's several different kinds, justice of the peace, county court of law, district judge, things like that. So I'll just clarify it later, but usually it's just judge. Yeah. So now let's take a step back. I saw on your website that you started out your work life yes, at yes. Ron Carter, yes. which, the Ron Carter in Alvin? It actually turned out to be the one in Alvin eventually. First, it started here in Pearland. Uh, Ron Carter Chevrolet started here in Pearland in 1980. I started there. I remember. And, yeah. And uh, well, it was grand opening with Earl Campbell. Yes. Well, I was that, there. That was the new building. Uh, okay. That's where it is right now, where Strickland Chevrolet is. Huh. Ron Carter actually started in a, we call it a like a Quonset hut. Across from the Whataburger there at 35 and 518. And that's where the uh, oh, wow. original okay. owners started. And it was uh, Ron Slank and Charles Carter, and they hired me. And uh, that was my first paying gig. Before that, I did uh, some work with my uh, grandfather at a uh, different branch that he used to manage. Right. Uh, just pay cash. And me and my brother would go over there in the summer times and and worked there, but my first paying gig was uh, Ron Carter yeah. Chevrolet. Yeah, that's where it all started. So yeah. that's back when Pearland was twelve thousand, maybe, mm, maybe six, seven thousand, <laughs> maybe six. <laughs> yeah, 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 believe it or not, oh, believe I, it or yeah, not, I remember. we were there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And but your career kind of kicked into gear when you went to Par- the city of Pearland as a jailer before becoming a police officer. Dorian's daughter's interested in becoming a police officer, and they mentioned something about becoming a jailer to yes. then that fascinates me because having never heard that before i've now heard it three times in less than 24 hours <laughs> sure right. no um yes i worked at ron carter for 10 years it really wasn't uh, i enjoyed the people there i enjoyed that work but it's not what i wanted to do it's and so uh luckily i had an understanding uh wife uh, virginia todd then and virginia castillo and she said look if you're gonna go go back to school i went to alvin community college i quit my job went to alvin community college took a job at a nice family here in pearland james madeiras owned a convenience store and he he uh i was blessed for him to hire me and so i got wow. some part-time money working nights for him at a convenience store while i went to school during the day and uh just work. We were able to do that. Graduated from ACC and went to work at City of Pearland as a jailer. I like to tell people when I'm teaching classes or anything like that, I'll tell them I spent a year in the jail and then <laughs> became a police officer. And then I have to clarify, not on the other side of the bars, but on the on the good side. Yeah. And yeah, it did start there. And I was 
had all intention of just being a jailer and still going to school and getting my bachelor's degree. Just found the law enforcement was just like, it was just calling me like, this is what you need to do. This is where you need to be. Stop doing whatever you're doing. Become a policeman. So I did finish my bachelor's degree and uh, went to work at Pearland Police Department as a police officer. Wow. Well, you said before we started this interview, we were talking that you worked at uh, KACC. Yes, that's album, right. right. So what was your what was your goal in life? I don't I don't really know what it was. I don't <laughs> okay. really know what it was. And this is what I tell kids, even in my truancy court, when I talk to them now, you don't have to know what you want to do to go to school to continue your education. You really don't. It's don't be frustrated just because there's some kids and bless their hearts that they do know already at ninth grade or 10th grade what they want to be and they work for that. That's great. That's admirable. But just because you don't know and you're going to graduate high school and you still don't know what you want to be uh, or what you want to do, keep going to school, keep doing your education. That's where it opens doors. Uh, Had I not done that, then I, I wouldn't have known that that that's actually where I needed to be was being a policeman. So, and I did work at KACC and I like to, I like to tell everybody I was not a model student in high school <laughs> or, or college, and, but, uh, but you, if I did it, you can do it. So uh, continue your education. And I like to tell people KCC was where it all started for me. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. It is a good program yeah. down there for yeah. sure, there, radio, television, film. For sure. And then so when you started as a police officer in 93, I think mm-hmm. is what it said. Yes. So that's after Rodney King that, you know, it seems like, Started changing. That seemed to be a turning point for policing in America. What were kind of your, what was your experience like starting as a police officer in the nineties? Sure. It was all those high, high, that's when everything was going, like you said, and uh, just coming off of that. And it was, it's again, I'm lucky enough to be in a department where I think it's the best department in the state of Texas, the best law enforcement agency in the state of Texas. They train, they train, they train. That's their, that's, they, they instill values of uh, service, of pride, integrity. And um, I think that's what drew me to that department to begin with, just being around all the men and women. And they really take the citizens, all their decisions are made, what's the best interest of the city. They want to make a safe place to live, grow and play. And that's how they train their policemen. They're innovative in that um, the, the use of less than lethal weapons give sure. officers alternatives uh, rather than just the deadly weapon of a of a option of a gun they have less than lethal weapon uh, weapon training they they are serious about their de-escalation techniques to communicate uh, what some people call verbal judo they don't even they don't even refer to it as verbal judo because that's kind of a hostile or aggressive they they refer to it as just de-escalation crisis intervention technique training is what they call it and is that across the board everyone's doing it now but pearland was doing it before it was a statewide program or a national program pearland was doing it back then there. I uh, haven't served with Pearland as a hostage negotiator. They sent me to that training before it was the national standard. And you're going to, wow. f- I think that's the thing with Pearland is they, they see the a law enforcement horizon, they see it and they're just doing the right things. And then people catch up to them. Yeah. That's amazing. You, we've seen a lot of change in Pearland over the last, you said 93. So sure. from 93 to now we went from 15 to 20,000 to now about 140. Yeah. So what do you see as the, as the biggest change in the community as far as the police department goes? I think policing is your, when I started, I would hear officers talking about manpower and they're still having that today. You're yeah. never going to have enough policemen 
So you have to use better techniques. You have to use technology, integrated yeah. technology, and Pearland is really good at that. In fact, uh, their drone program won an award recently. They've started law, really? law enforcement drone. You can use them for security. You can use them for finding uh, lost children. Wow. You can use them for a number of things, they found out. And so uh, it's the technology, and it's the training. The, you're going to have to teach policemen. You're going to have to police a different way because, really, it, law enforcement comes down to the people wanting policemen there, so you have to you have to treat them like you're a partner. They're a partner in this. So somebody that's looking to go into policing that doesn't necessarily want to be an officer on the ground, it sounds like there's a lot of opportunity, and it's a constantly developing opportunity. Absolutely, not. and um, I'm glad you brought that up. There's uh, people I work with as a justice of peace. One of their duties, one of our duties, is to perform death inquests. At these death inquests, when it's a crime scene, there's going to be civilians there working the crime scene at Pearland. I don't know about other agencies, wow. but we hire civilian crime tech, crime scene techs. So, and these people are well educated. They go to school for that. They want to be in law enforcement. They want to help. But like you said, they don't want to necessarily be officer boots on the ground, yeah. but they're still involved. They're still coming to work at the police yeah. department. They're still handling evidence. They're still doing everything else, wow. taking crime scene photos, everything else. Wow. And, we've, yeah, and they've a, got some great ones. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea. That's yeah. fantastic. I didn't either. I, besides not knowing about the jailer aspect of it, it, I think of it as you sign up and you're a patrol officer and then you work your way up and things like that. And But now as organizations grow, obviously there's more to technology it, more sure. technology administration, sure. things like that. Now, Absolutely. One of the questions I had for you, because I've known you for a few near, years now, <laughs> yeah. is uh, I think you might be the last real cowboy in existence. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> And what I mean by that is you wear a cowboy hat. Lots of people do, but gentlemanliness that I would see in old that school Westerns. Exactly some, uh, if someone walks up to you, you take your, you tip your hat off and shake their hand and say, hello. Where does that come from? Cause my dad's belt. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's no, not the no, answer no, I was no, expecting, no, but that sounds might be true. Cowboy-ish. Yes. Really? Yeah. Really? Uh, it's just those, uh, mannerisms that I saw and that, uh, my dad, told me and I saw from other people and especially the the my first role models are my parents my mom and dad sure. so they would both correct myself my brothers my sisters on how to act how to how to greet people how to meet people and yeah. things like that so, so were your parents from this area uh my mom was from Wharton my dad's from Houston okay yeah but they're they we, we all grew up in Houston yeah uh, southeast Houston and moved to Pearland in 75 so uh, you lived more of your life in Pearland now absolutely than, <laughs> yes uh, yeah. in Brazoria County and I love this city and I love this county yeah. one of the things too is I know you have horses and kind of cattle and you kind of have um, not cattle I got a horse oh. and donkey some chickens gotcha yeah well, I see you go out and I see the pictures of you going out and kind of having your uh, peaceful moments, riding oh, the, yeah. the horse and stuff. Yeah. And what is it about that that kind of relaxes you? I think it's because I leave my cell phone in my truck and that's just me and my horse and we're just out riding around. I think uh, that. And I think some of my best moments and uh, other people's getaway, they might see me, see me at work. And I'm sure if you did this for a living every day, it is work. But I like being on my tractor and mowing. I'll mow and just can't hear the cell phone. It's just you and you have time to kind of decompress everything. And really some people say you have time to think about your, I don't think about work at all when I'm on a horse. I don't think about work at all. And I think that's the best part of it. That's fantastic. I'd agree. I think I've ridden horses before and it's a very immediate thing. You have to be paying attention to what you're doing. and, And so you don't get to kind of daydream a whole lot for the minimal amount of times that I've ever ridden horses, but 
it kind of seems that that's a good way to decompress. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so I would say for me, doing something that I enjoy when I'm outside of work, I can find those all the time. I cannot figure out how to put my phone down and leave it in the truck yeah. while I'm off doing what I'm doing. So yeah. I applaud you for that because yeah. I don't know how you do that. Well, I don't do it all the time. Usually my <laughs> phone is with me unless yeah. I'm unless I'm there. All right. So next we're going to learn more about being a justice of the peace. But first, we'd like to thank our sponsors. Hey, we want to take a quick moment and tell you a little bit about 1820 Marketing, the producers of this podcast. We believe that when businesses have quality marketing, it gives business owners the freedom to focus on what they do best. We design websites, produce videos, and create marketing materials that help our clients grow their business. Find out more at 1820marketing.com. It's something different. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, we'd love to talk to you about it. Our goal is to reach our community and let them know about great leaders and businesses that are helping to make it better. If you want to be a part of that, please email us at info at 1820marketing.com to start the conversation. And now back to the show. So what was it about being a justice of the peace that interested you? It, just because I, when I think of a police officer, you're going to go and you can go up those ranks and people typically stay in those ranks or they get completely out of it and do something else. What was it about jumping to a different type of legal profession that, that interested you? I think from being a policeman and just working around uh, all the justice of peace and the judges and seeing some of them, how they do their, how they handle their business. And then also my father-in-law, he's since uh, passed away uh, two years ago, but uh, his name is Bill Todd. And he was a retired lieutenant from Houston Police Department. And he ran for the actual seat that I ran for. In fact, he opened this building. His He was really? the first judge here in this building. Yeah. And so just being around him and hearing some of the things that he was doing, I think I just gravitated to it. It was some of the same skill set as being a policeman. I found transferred over to being a judge in that as a police officer, you're just a reading the statute and you're applying the statute, you're applying the law. Uh, I remember distinctly someone asked me, while I was running for justice of peace, were you happy with all your decisions you made as a policeman? And, wow. I, and I told her, no, I said, no. And the reason is, is because you have to follow the law. Sometimes you want to do something different uh, for your own feelings or whatever, but you have to follow the law. The statute is a statute, same skill set you use as a judge. You know, you may feel or believe one thing, but you have to understand when you're on that bench, your feelings, your beliefs have nothing to do with it. You have to follow what's in front of you. You have to follow the statutes and the law. Yeah, that, that's got to be tough. And I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that have been on that other side that, that wonder how you can make those decisions that you're making, particularly when it's not something you necessarily agree with. Oh, it's, it's, that's one of the most difficult things there is to do about this job. And, um, but again, it's one of the most bif difficult things you have to do as a policeman is you have to follow the law. You have to follow the statute that's in front of you right. and sometimes that's in conflict with what your beliefs are what you feel should happen but should has no place in the law it's right, right there in front of you and you're yeah. surrounded by a staff that really is good at what they do and that's got to be a huge help for you oh yeah no wouldn't with with uh, someone asked me about my staff and my clerks and i told them you know if i had to 
compare them to a baseball team. They're the New York Yankees of the staffs. I, I, I love them. They, they, uh, they know what they're doing. If they don't have an immediate answer, uh, they know who to call, which uh, organizations to reach out to as, uh, for resources. Wow. And um, they keep abreast of their training, and they, uh, they keep me informed on uh, new regulations from the Office of Court Administration, right. especially during this time with the pandemic with all the new orders. Uh, handed down regarding evictions. They're right on top of that. So um, I'm blessed with a great staff. And maybe I should ask this first when we mentioned it. You mentioned there's justice of the peace, there's district judge. What's the justice of the peace role when you hear of all these different types of Perfect. judges? So the justice of the peace handles class C misdemeanors, uh, traffic tickets, things like that. If you get pulled over from a trooper or a county uh, mm-hmm. deputy then you're and you get a citation, then you're going to be here in this court if you're in this precinct. And so we'll listen to those cases. We'll also handle truancy cases. We handle small claims cases up to $20,000. So say if you had a fence built, contractor didn't do it the right way, and it wound up costing you more money to get it replaced, and you're in 14000 on this fence, then right. you would sue him in this court here. Anything over 20000 that would go over to the county court then. And they that's recently increased just uh, about almost, not even a year ago it'll be a year in september last september it increased from 10,000 to 20,000 so okay. so it, it went up quite frankly it pro- could probably go up a little bit more considering how much everything costs now i mean a pool costs you 35,000 <laughs> right, right, you should right. you shouldn't have to go to you shouldn't have to go to all the way to a county court or district right. court to sue a contractor over a pool yeah. or something like that so that, that may go up some too you mentioned that you were if they were in this precinct. So how many precincts or what what's the oh, size sure. of a precinct? Sure, there are four precincts in Brazoria County. Two JPs are in each precinct. So myself and um, former Alvin Police Chief uh, Mike Merkel oh, is right. the Justice of the Peace for this precinct, and he's his office is in Alvin. So so precinct three. I don't know how the other precincts do it, but but they each have two. Precinct three kind of does it as a south. South of the precinct is Alvin. North of the precinct is Pearland, so we kind of divvied up that way. But I've filled in at his court before. He's filled in at my court before. We work well with each other. Nice. Yeah. And so because you're in Pearland and Merkel's in Alvin, can you dive in a little bit what the difference is between it, whether I'm going to go see a, the municipal city judge versus the sure. justice of the peace? So if you're when you get pulled over, Jake, and <laughs> you often do you get pulled over Dorian. <laughs> no, and and your and your police officer is a city officer, you'll go to municipal court. Okay. Um, if he's a county deputy or a DPS trooper, then you'll go to a justice court. Okay. I have to backtrack a little bit to tell the whole story, but sure. So I met you two or three years ago mm-hmm. and everyone mentioned he's, he's going to run for JP. He's going to run for JP. And I go, okay. You know, and then I met you and I go, so when's the election? Is it November or May? And you were like, well, it's in two years. I know. <laughs> Wait a second. What? Yeah. Did you have to retire from being a police officer during that? No, but you can't mix the two. So I would be working as a policeman, and then I would have to use my vacation time if any hours conflicted that it was a political event sure. to go to. So I would take off. I would use my holidays or my vacation time to do that. But otherwise, I would be off at 4 o'clock. And then after four o'clock, would go home, change, and then do the meetings and events. Then yeah. after that, and those were long, long. Those were long days. Those started at 
5 a.m. and ended probably about 11 p.m., 1130. Wow. Yeah. And that's what I was going to ask is anyone that's done a campaign, I guess most people in this area mm -hmm. probably not run any type of campaign, whatever it may be for whatever position. How did you manage that expectations of obviously you're wanting to, you don't want to just be there, but you seem to be someone who wants to know <laughs> sure. what's going on. So it's, it, you're not just showing up to put in an appearance. You're talking to people, you're getting informed about the issues. How do you balance that with, okay, it's now getting late and I got to go to work tomorrow. Yeah. How do you kind of, it, it's tough. It's tough. And, uh, luckily I have a, uh, nice understanding wife, Virginia, and she keeps me on track and will send me text messages. Hey, when are you going to be home? It's kind of late. You got to work in the morning, things like that, just yeah. to remind me and set me, uh, set me back on track on timing wise. But, uh, you're absolutely right. A lot of these, uh, meetings you go to, you're interacting with people and you just find them interesting and you sit down having conversations and turns out, you know, some of the same people, or maybe they haven't got an organization that they belong to and you belong to an organization. You can reach out and help each other and, uh, things like that. So, you know, this from the oh, yeah. organizations you belong to. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's one of the things that I think Dorian and I both try to do is, is have a nice group of people that we can reach out to. If we sure. hear someone say that they have a need, we might not know someone that can help. We, we definitely probably know someone who knows someone who can absolutely. at least point them in the right direction. I Six think that's degrees important. of separation. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. For sure. Yeah. What is your, what is the most enjoyable thing you have that you do as justice of the peace? Well, that's a tough question. People always ask me the hard stuff. I guess just coming to work, coming to work and staying busy and looking at cases and making sure cases get uh, listened to, and that uh, ensuring that everybody gets their, their gets to be heard, gets their day in court. Yeah. Uh, just ensuring that they get to be heard and get their day in court. Uh, keep the dockets moving. Just some things like that. Just keep everything going. For the citizens to be heard. Does the justice of the peace still perform weddings? Can you still do? We those? do, we do, and those those are the, the that's the happy stuff. Okay. Yeah, the yep. weddings are the happy stuff. So yeah, nice. And and so you talk about a docket. I think everyone would love to one probably never be in court with you just because no one wants to be in court. <laughs> Two, when they show up, they want to be the first case and they want to get out of here. Sure. What does a court day look like for you? I think a lot of people don't have a proper perception mm -hmm. of what goes on so, behind the scenes. So behind the scenes first, before you see me in court, I will be at the city of Pearland jail, magistrating all the County prisoners that the officers have arrested that need to go to County jail. Oh, yeah. And by magistrating them, we read them their rights. We let them know what their charges are and we let them know what their bond is. And so I do that to all the prisoners that are accused, all the accused before they go to uh, County jail. Uh, they have to have that done. So I get there about 6 AM and probably wrap that up about eight and then uh, come to the office here and our dockets start at 9.30. I'll have a stack of cases there that the, uh, either the uh, civil clerk or the criminal clerk will have my paperwork ready for me to go over the cases and uh, I'll start going over files like a pregame warm up or anything like sure. that. So I'll know the parties who are there and make sure we have the right parties when we call the cases. And uh, then we'll start our docket and we'll hear uh, some days we'll hear evictions, some days we'll hear truancies, some days we'll hear small claims, just a number of different things. We have, um, we do driver's license revocations. If oh, the yeah. state of Texas uh, revokes your license or suspends your license and you want to get it back, you'll come here to huh. hear those. If you need an occupational driver's license, then we'll hear those hearings as well. Uh, we hear property hearings, uh, just a whole number of things. Sounds like you have a lot of different things that you're going to do through the course of a day. They yeah. are absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't think any day is probably the same 
No, um, it, it's not. And again, with being a policeman, you get the same calls. Like you get a theft call, but the circumstances are different. The people are different. The victims are different. Everything is different. Uh, so being a judge the same way, you get a lot of small claims cases, but they're all each individual huh. differences. So that's what makes it kind of a, a neat thing is that you're not seeing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. And so that kind of leads me to our last question. What is, what's something that's really surprised you? about the job since you've taken it, been elected. How about that? Sure. Um, something that has surprised me is that it's probably the most, without a doubt, the most difficult thing of this job is the uh, performing a death inquest. And it was surprising how difficult that was. I thought it would not be as difficult as it, hmm. it was going to be having been a policeman, but the difference are being a policeman and investigating a death, as a police officer, you it's all very clinical, and you're taking measurements, and you're doing your report, and then it, you go on to the next call. An inquest, you're doing all that stuff, but then you're interacting with the families, and you have to talk with uh, who was the last person to see them, who was yeah. the next of kin, and, who was, and you start getting into personal stuff, and that's a lot more difficult difficult than I, that I thought it was going to be. Yeah. It seems it becomes more emotional. It's got to be more emotional having to talk to families and, and right. And I can see the separation as a police officer that it's very technical and, and you're moving on to the next thing. Cause yeah. you've got to deal with the next person trying right. to yeah. do something and right. kind of, you try and make it probably as black and white as possible as a police officer and in court, I'm sure black and white, but no, then correct. dealing with the emotions. Yeah, for sure. Sure. Well, thank you, Judge Castillo, for coming on the show. I just wanted to say that every time I see you, you're smiling and you're engaged and you're a gentleman. Well, thank and, you. Uh, I appreciate it. For sure. And I really hope that people learned a little bit more about you, but also about what a Justice of the Peace does. Yeah, absolutely. And if they want to find out more, feel free to come by the office or give us a call. I'd be happy to give them tours or insights or information. And thank you for letting us come by and record in your office. For we sure. appreciate it. <laughs> thank you for coming by and bringing me the tea. And finally, thank you to our listeners. Creating Community with Dorian and Jake is available wherever you get your podcast. This podcast is produced by 1820 Marketing. For show notes, visit 1820coffeehouse.com slash podcast.